When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. So today, it's fun. I'm uh, working from home this morning and was writing, and I thought, what would my topic be for my blog today? And I, I thought I haven't talked about wood in the aquarium for a while, and how ironic that my neighbor decided today was the day to start trimming their trees. So I have chainsaws going off in the background. That's what you might hear uh, on occasion here, which I think is perfectly appropriate for our topic. So um, let's just jump into this one real quick. I admit I'm no expert on the use of wood in aquariums. At least I'm no expert on what's hot and what the sexiest way to arrange it is. I understand how wood fits in the overall aquascape or the natural habitat of the world, you know, natural aquatic habitats. However, I am also pretty well opinionated on stuff, as you know, and I'm happy to share my thoughts despite the peril that they occasionally place me in. Now, my philosophy on the wood types to use in your aquarium, as you might expect from me, is a combination of personal aesthetic tastes and functional attributes of a given specimen, how it would work in what, with what you're trying to do. Yeah, I think it starts with the most simple question. What type of wood appeals to you? Sure, you can address this angle by asking yourself what type of habitat or ecological niche you're trying to replicate in your tank and what configuration would be the most appropriate to do the job. That's kind of my personal starting place most of the time. Example? Well, let's say you're trying to recreate the look of a tree stump or a fallen tree section. You'd likely want to select pieces of wood that are thicker, heavier looking, and larger in stature to recreate such a feature. If you're trying to create the land-water interface of a, a flooded forest and want to represent roots, then you'd likely select specimens of wood which are thinner, or perhaps more twisted and gnarled in shape. Pretty straightforward, right? Oh, time for a little detour, a little detour rant on this because I was thinking about this today. So... Ironically enough, the, the most popular wood type in the aquarium hobby, and this is probably debatable, is manzanita. And in my opinion, manzanita is probably the least realistic wood you can use in terms of how it looks when it's placed in an aquarium to represent a natural scene. Now, I admit, you know, who's the judge of realism? Whatever. But I just, I guess it's I hate manzanita. At least I hate the way people utilize it. Manzanita rarely looks like something you'll see underwater in nature. So I know just bring on the hate mail. Seriously. Now, again, maybe it's the way we place this stuff. We typically place the piece of wood on its side, surround it with rocks and plants, and boom, that's it. So, I mean, it's cool, but does it really represent how a piece of wood typically looks or occurs in a, you know, in a wild flooded forest stream or a lake? Maybe that's it. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's why I get it. I'm sure plenty of people with talent do really incredible stuff with manzanita. I've seen it. Maybe I'm just not a big fan of this stuff anymore. Maybe I'm burned out on it. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, micro hate rant over. See, detour, no apparent reason. Some of you guys like my little micro rants. Some of you think I'm nuts. So I thought I'd detour today. Now, there's a fair amount of misconceptions about which wood can work and which can't in general, what's safe and what's not. 
and a lot of misunderstanding about where and how wooden the aquarium fits into the whole equation of creating a functionally aesthetic aquarium habitat. And a lot of opinion, too. Now, at the risk of adding to the confusion and throwing in my own opinions, I'll try to clear up some stuff here. Believe it or not, if properly prepared, I almost, and I say almost, I don't go overboard here on me, almost any type of dried wood can be used in aquariums. The important thing is that the wood must be, well, dry. It can't be live or have any green wood, which is growing wood, or sap present, as these may have toxic effects on fishes when submerged. And it can't be of a variety known to be toxic to fishes or other animals. Duh, that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. So, sap. Like, sap can be toxic to fishes, even when dry. So if you see a piece of wood, even dry, that's displaying some sap... It might be a good idea to remove the section where the sap is coming from or to simply take a pass and avoid, you know, wood with any, lots of sap in general or wood that's known to contain stuff like that, like pine, for example. It's a non-starter. We just don't use pine in aquariums. I mean, I know people that have played with this stuff, but I wouldn't take the chance with it. In general, when it comes to wood, in our experience, it's better to purchase, collect your wood from sources known to offer, you know, aquarium-safe wood or wood that's worked. And don't worry about suitability, toxic concerns, pollutants, all that kind of stuff. You know, driftwood in general, and driftwood's a gnome de guerre in, in the hobby, is sort of generic term for wood that's been dried over time, generally free of bark, which other than containing tannins and polyphenols that are largely non-toxic, by the way, in reasonable problem, you know, concentrations, not really problematic. And then there's greenwood, as outlined above. In most trees, the real chemically active substances are found in the leaves and the live greenwood and the sap. So a dry, largely bark strip piece of wood free from sap, dried or otherwise, is generally pretty good to go. And it's relatively stable and neutral. Now, a lot of people ask, you know, how do we arrive at the selection of wood that we offer and why we don't offer certain types of wood, yet we offer others? See, I'm all over the place today. This is my mind. You're going to have to deal with it. When it comes to the types of wood we offer, it's pretty straightforward. I select stuff that I think is cool. Now, you might fucking hate everything I offer. I totally get it. I understand it. And that's okay because there's plenty of vendors out there who offer everything you could want wood-wise. I just offer stuff that I think would work with the kind of aquariums that we play with. I get that question a lot. Can you find this? Can you find that? And maybe I can, maybe I can't. But I'm not going to offer stuff that I don't personally use or enjoy myself. If you notice, I've taken away a lot of wood over the years from our site because there's stuff that I just don't believe in anymore. And that's the way I do business. And I hope most of you appreciate it. And now it seems to me on any given day, you know, such and such a wood type is the it variety and everyone wants it. You know, some guy does a tank with the scraggly shit emerging from the water, posts a few sexy pics on his Instagram feed. And the next thing you know, trend, everyone wants it now. As someone who offers natural aquascaping materials for use in specialized aquariums, I long ago realized that I needed to stop chasing every hot wood type that shows up on the market. In fact, I'm generally clueless on what's hot in the aquascaping wood world, nor do I really care, to be perfectly honest. Now, Scott, that's not very consumer-centric. You, you claim to be so consumer-focused, but it sounds like you couldn't care less what the market wants when it comes to wood. Confession time? You're correct. I really can't because I'd go crazy trying to chase after all the trendy stuff all the time. And I'd be setting myself, selling myself out, you know, offering stuff that I wouldn't want to use in my own tanks. That's just the way I do business. We'll continue to offer wood types that we enjoy using in our own scapes. Some will just happen to be ones that are popular and trendy and relatively common or... Others will be types which fell out of favor a long time ago with the mainstream scaping world. Some will be obscure, niche-specific stuff. We'll constantly introduce new varieties when we encounter them and when we believe in them. The majority, however, will simply be stuff that we think works. 
whether it's new, old, or whatever. I hope that answers that. So <laughs> that's rant number two, done. Of course, that also means I'm really the last guy who should be discussing what kind of wood to use in your aquascapes, right? Like, why am I talking about this topic at all? Well, there's plenty of vendors who write up authoritative articles on botanicals who are more clueless about them than I am about wood, so consider the score even. Ooh, had your coffee today, Feldman? Yeah, let's lighten this shit up a bit. Instead, let's have a little discussion on what happens at that magical moment when we place wood in water. It starts by considering the source of the wood. Well, shit, where does it come from? It comes from, wait for it, trees. Duh, boom, mind's blowing, I know, I know. You think I'm a genius. I, I think I have to accept my role as a genius here. <laughs> for sake of this discussion, let's just assume that you're working with wood that's been properly collected and it's suitable for aquarium use. When you first submerge wood, a lot of the dirt from the atmosphere and the surrounding environment comes off, along with tannins, lignin, and all sorts of other stuff from the exterior surfaces and all those nooks and crannies that we love so much. You know, spider webs, insect larva, whatever. And a piece of wood initially immersed in water typically floats, much to our chagrin, right? And of course, then there's the tannins. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always amused, and it's not that hard to be amused when you're me. By the frantic posts you see on some of these aquascaping forums from hobbyists that their water is turning brown after adding a piece of wood and it's kind of ruining their land, you know, their aquascape. And like, I have to admit, I get a little vicarious laugh out of it when they're frantically going, Will the wood stop leaching? I'm thinking, You idiot, that's like the greatest source of black water, instant black water you can get. And I get it, that's not what they want to do, but again, I can't help but laugh because it's kind of funny. I guess not everybody likes this stuff, and I forget that from time to time because I like my brown water, but, you know, that's me. So the reality, as you probably surmised, is that driftwood will continue to leach tannins pretty much for as long as it's submerged. And as, again, I see this is a great advantage to helping establish and maintain that blackwater look and to impart some of the humic substances and other, you know, compounds that are known to have health benefits for fishes. So I see it as a good thing. Well, of course, too much of a good thing can be a real problem. So you, you want to be careful and do water changes and all that kind of stuff. Some wood types like mangrove tend to release more tannins than others over longer extended periods of time. I think it has to do with the structure of the wood. I'm not sure. Other types like, I don't know, spider wood uh, will release their tannins relatively quickly in this huge burst. I don't know if you've noticed that. Unless you try to cure the stuff in situ before, then you could really get a look for it. Uh, again, mangrove wood seems to be really dirty and releases a lot of stuff over time. Some of the other wood types aren't quite as dirty. It's a unique aesthetic, mangrove. I'm a big fan of it, and I know we, we get it. Uh, we have it at most times right now. We don't have it. We'll be getting more of it soon. But it's an interesting wood to work with. I really like it. What I'm more concerned with, though, about wood in general are the impurities, the trap dirt and the stuff like that contained within the wood. As you probably know, that's also why I'm a staunch advocate of the overly conservative boil-and-soak approach to the preparation of botanicals as well. A lot of material gets bound up in the dermal layer of the tree where the wood comes from. Atmospheric dust, pollutants, bird droppings, insects, etc. None of this is stuff you'd want in your tank, right? The bulk of the dry mass of the xylem, which is the network within the tree that transports water and soluble mineral nutrients from the roots throughout the plant, and comprises what we know as wood, most of that is cellulose. A polysaccharide, and most of the remainder is lignin, which is a sort of complex polymer. Okay, why the botany lesson, Fellman? Well, because when you have some idea of what you're putting into your tank, you'll better understand why it behaves the way it does when it's submerged. In a given piece of driftwood, there's going to be some material bound up in these structures, and it will be released gradually or otherwise into the water that surrounds it, with a big burst happening on initial submersion. That's why during the first couple of weeks after you submerge wood, the water often becomes dark and even cloudy. There's a lot of stuff in there. 
It's far better, in my opinion, to take the time to start the curing process in a separate container apart from the display aquarium, at least for most of us. It's not rocket scientists, no science stuff, nor it's, you know, some wisdom that only the enlightened aquarists attain. It's common sense, right? We all know this. It's a practice we simply need to view as necessary with terrestrial materials like wood and botanicals. You may love the tannins as much as I do, but I'm confident that your tank could do without the polysaccharides and all the other impurities that the outer layers of the wood contain. The potential impacts of the water quality are significant. It's pretty plain to see that at least part of the reason we see a burst of new algal growth and biofilm and fungal growth and stuff on wood when it's recently added to an aquarium is that there's so much stuff bound up in it and it's an uncolonized surface and uncolonized surfaces in water are colonized by opportunistic organisms. And again, all that stuff in the wood is essentially algae fuel when added to water. Algal and fungal spores can literally bloom during the initial period after submersion, and this alone is a great reason to take the long, slow approach to wood prep. Again, you know, that's kind of what happens in nature when a tree falls in the water, when you think about it. It's the same process of curing. And it's not necessarily a quick process in nature either, so we can't feel too bad about playing a waiting game when it comes to curing wood for aquariums. Now, could you boil wood and speed up the process? Well, sure, if you have a freaking cauldron or something large enough, if you're like, you know, boil lobsters or whatever, I suppose you might have a pot lying around. But most of us just soak for that reason. And again, we've talked about in situ curing of wood. You could do that. Absolutely. As we've discussed, I've done this many times. However, it means a large amount of stuff being released into the water. It means levels of possible impurities and pollutants that would demand significant water exchanges and aggressive use of chemical filtration. And there's no way you'd want to add fishes to the tank for some time. So yeah, if you're patient, if you understand the need to maintain water quality and can handle just looking at an empty tank with wood and botanicals in it, have at it. Suffice it to say that wood, when being submerged in an aquarium, will likely leach tannins into the water. We know this, right? Makes the water dark. So you know the drill. Use activated carbon in quantity if you don't want this tint in your aquarium. And biofilms and fungi, which we've written about a gajillion times in this very blog and the podcast we've talked about, will likely make their appearance at some point. We've talked to the point where this is like just a given here. Yeah, that's like a whole different discussion that we could have. Bottom line here, when it comes to wood, choose the wood you like, which you feel best resent, you know, represents the, the habitat that you're trying to recreate. Understand that it will require some preparation or time before it's really set for use. And ideally, this should occur in a separate water container. Uh, other than the aquarium that it's destined for, unless you really want that. Realize that tannins and biofilms happen. Most wood types have their own behavior in the water. They're all comprised of the same substances. So there are generalities that we can make, you know, know, in terms of wood types, however. But be creative with how you use the wood. Combine it with other materials, blend it with different wood types, be original, kick some aquascaping ass, replicate nature, understand nature, learn about it, all that kind of stuff. Rant over... I'm going to have my coffee again and maybe try to find a quiet space here because it's really noisy hearing wood being chopped down. Maybe I should go check it out and see if there's anything good that I can use. Hmm, maybe? Anyway, you have yourself a great day. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I hope you enjoy your weekend. And I'm really happy that you spent some time with us. Thanks for the support. Take care of your family. And thanks for listening to The Tent.